Hi there, and welcome to The Works. I'm Ben Che. And I'm Ben Pelche. It's four years since a major earthquake and tsunami hit Japan, which led to the still unresolved nuclear crisis at Fukushima. Later in the show, Yumi Masuda, who was born in the town, reflects on how the natural world transforms and overcomes in the wake of such a disaster. We'll also be bringing you a more than 5,000-year-old musical instrument that you can carry in a short pocket. Local musician Cho Lai introduces us to the mouth harp. But first, some of the work of photographer and artist Vic Muniz is garbage, and he'd be the first to admit it. But we're featuring it anyway, as he uses sugar, thread, chocolate syrup, and even garbage to create his art. His Pictures of Garbage series was featured in the documentary film Wasteland, which focused on a project in which art meets trash and changes the lives of some of the catadores, or garbage pickers, of Brazil. Vic Muniz is a sculptor who is increasingly transforming into a photographer. Born into a working-class family in Sao Paulo, Brazil in 1961, at 18, he began working in advertising. After being shot in the leg while breaking up a street fight, Muniz received a compensation payment that gave him the chance to move to New York in 1983. It was there that he became a sculptor. Often his art involves reimagining famous images from art history, rearranging materials from everyday life which he then photographs. In his recent series, album, and postcards from nowhere, the works are made up of shredded vintage photographs and postcards. People always refer to me as an artist who uses uh, unorthodox materials. But in fact, I use materials that are common, you know, things that you, you're familiar with, that you see every day. When I started seeing uh, uh, family pictures for sale, you know, in, in little uh, antique stores, little fairs, I always buy them because I can bear to see these pictures gone orphan, you know. Family albums have consistently been a way for people to carry on with the visual archive of a family from generation to generation, from father to son, from mother to daughter, uh, like genetic information. In the last 15 years, I've probably amassed like something like 250,000 photographs that I've been buying. I keep thinking that the, you know these things are in boxes, and, and I'm the these all these families, all these stories, they came to me, and I'm the holder of all that uh, story. So I started. I have to do something with that, and this is the result. As an artist, you're a sort of a collector of uh, moments or experiences, you know. I've always collected family pictures, you know, and postcards, because I think they're both fascinating ways in which people relate to their own story, and also uh, they're great ways in which people relate to the idea of space. What I wanted to evoke were postcards that have the same kind of construct. They are like postcards as you remember them. So I picked very iconic, very archetypal post images of uh, specific places that we feel like we, that we know or familiar with. And I made them with all this fragmented uh, uh, body of, of inventory of tiny images that I got from the same material. So there are bigger, bigger pictures of postcards made with pieces of postcards. Uh, and this is about space. Materials Vic has used include dirt, diamonds, sugar, string, and chocolate syrup. His Pictures of Garbage series became a group project for which he invoked the help of Rio de Janeiro's catadores, or garbage pickers. Facing the problem of the smell of his materials as well as their impermanence, 
he captured the giant portraits he and the Catadoras had created with a camera. Like a few years ago, I tried to, uh, you know, I, I thought about making an images, images with uh, garbage. Because garbage is something that normally we don't want to see. You know? The whole idea of garbage is, tends towards invisibility. You just don't. This is something that we're always trying to hide because, not just because of the smell, because we don't, visually, we don't want to re relate to it. And to make beautiful images out of garbage would be very interesting. And because it was not a, just about making drawings out of garbage, it was about working with people who live in the garbage. I come from a very poor family in Brazil, and I, I know the deal. I mean, if you just talking about it, it's not enough. You know, if you're an artist, you have to be out there. You have to be involved with the society in which you live in a very intense way. So you can whatever you produce is a reflection of that involvement. Among the most loved characters in movies are the animated ones, from DreamWorks' Kung Fu Panda to Walt Disney's Mickey Mouse. Usually, the representation of such characters, and particularly the reselling of images of them, are tightly controlled by copyright. Shim Shimel, though, has been given permission to use them for his paintings that he says are dedicated to encouraging us to appreciate the world around us. He was in Hong Kong recently to open his first exhibition here. It's not unusual for fans of animated movies to try their hand at painting much-loved characters like Kung Fu Panda. Shim Shamel is one of a select few artists to have been licensed by major studios like Disney and DreamWorks to do so and given freedom to sell his works. Two of his latest works, featuring Poe from Kung Fu Panda, are on show in Hong Kong until March the 5th. I created a special piece just for this event, Hong Kong Warrior, and uh, painted one of my favorite cities now, of course, from Victoria Peak, looking at that view with uh, a kind of a quintessential Poe pose. It's important for the movie studios like Disney and DreamWorks to have this licensing program where a handful of fine artists like myself are allowed to paint their characters, their iconic images. It allows me, if I have an idea, for instance, Hong Kong Warrior, if I have an idea like this, I want to paint Poe with Hong Kong in the background, I can create a fine art piece out of it, an original uh, painting it's my own idea and concept, but using one of their characters. Hong Kong Warrior uh, took me about three weeks to paint. I paint with a lot of detail, so it takes me quite a long time to do. I almost always see the, the entire painting in my mind. I see the image in my mind. Then there's the sketching, the drawing, working out the composition. Then I just, I, I start the painting itself. And usually I paint from the, from the background forward. It just, it just makes sense to do that and to move on up. The last thing I paint in here was Poe. And on Poe, the last thing I paint are Poe's eyes. The highlights in the eyes, as soon as I put those in, then Poe comes alive. Just last year, Chamel tried his hand at another DreamWorks staple, the characters of Hiccup and Toothless. The painting, Fire and Ice, is drawn from imagery in How to Train Your Dragon 2. But Chamel says he's not tempted to work for the major animation studios, as he's not keen on working on other people's ideas. He wants to remain as an independent fine artist, able to express his own thoughts and feelings on canvas, particularly his love for the environment.
was a style I developed actually quite a long time ago now, uh, in the late 1980s, early 1990s. Um, I became very concerned about the environment and about the, the planet itself, the animals, what we were doing as human beings, to the ecosystems that these animals live in. And I wanted to start saying something about that in my paintings and also in my children's book. The message always is that uh, human beings need to love these animals, that we share this planet with the animals. We don't own the planet. We live on the planet with these animals and uh, we're all interconnected. So that's, that's always the message of my work. So when you see my other artwork where you see one of the snow leopards or tigers that I paint, uh, it's the same thing. The background, I paint the animal. The eyes are almost always the last thing I paint. That's where the real emotion comes from with the painting. The fur takes a long time. It's many, many layers, but the way I paint, it's many, many layers to create that, that feeling, that texture of the fur. I live in the desert, so it's quite a bit different uh, than in the big, beautiful city here of Hong Kong. Shim Shamel grew up in Arizona, where his father was a watercolor painter and art teacher known for his desert landscapes. Shim studied with him before he taught for over a decade himself. In 1987, he quit teaching to devote all his working hours to his own work. He says that he had to struggle for 10 years to make a living from his art, but has not regretted it for one second. I had no choice. My, just emotionally, I had no choice. It was something I just, I had a real need to do, a need to create. There's just a passion there. There's almost a need to express. And we all have our different ways of expressing ourselves. I wanted to have a positive message and impact through my artwork that would make people feel more compassion and more love for the planet and the animals. All I know is I'm, I'm here for a very short amount of time, like all of us, and whatever I can do with this short lifespan I have through my work to help raise awareness or consciousness, make people feel a little more compassion or love for, for the earth and the animals, then that's all I can do and that's, that's all I need to do or want to do. Welcome back. Japanese artist Yumi Masuda was born in Fukushima after an earthquake and tsunami devastated her hometown which led to a nuclear crisis in 2011. She returned for a visit. To her surprise, nature had bounced back. Her garden was overgrown with wild plants and flowers that filled her with a feeling of positive energy. And that power of transformation and energy is celebrated in her first solo exhibition in Hong Kong, The Transient Diary, which is currently on show at the Art Projects Gallery. その福島で何が起きているか情報があまり東京にいてわからなかったので、家族の安否、あと友達がどうなっているかがすごく心配で、その後に地震の後にその原子力発電所のが事故が起きたっていうことがあのニュースで分かって。
親しい人たちの身の安全っていうかそれが一番心配でした。Yumi Masuda's family were living just seven kilometers away from the nuclear power plant in Tomioka, a city that is now almost completely abandoned. Her mother was at home when the earthquake and tsunami hit. After the disaster, she was evacuated to another nearby city. As the situation worsened, she went to Tokyo to meet Yumi. <laughs> Although high radiation levels have made Tomioka virtually uninhabitable, residents were allowed to return to their homes for a short period. It was during such a trip that Yumi found her inspiration. えっと、大きさに育っていたりして、すごくびっくりしたんですけど、で、その光景っていうのはやっぱりとても悲しい感じもしたんですけど、それと同時になんかすごくその植物の生命力みたいなものを感じて、関係なくこう育っ自分の好きなように育っているっていう姿を見て、とてもなんか生命力を感じて感動しました。で、それを今回作品にしようと思って、こういう作品になっていきました。行きたいですね。あの、いろんなことが起きる生きている。毎日生活している時にいろんなことが起きると思うんですけど、それとはそれに振り回されないでこう綺麗な花を咲かせるように私も生きていきたいです。私の作品を見て、うん、なんだろう、自分が普段生活していて感じないような。なんかちょっとした嬉しかったりとかちょっと悲しそうに見えたりとかそういうことを絵を見て少しでも感じてもらえたらすごく嬉しいですIt's known as the mouth harp, the Jew's harp, the Joel harp, the Ozark harp, and even the juice harp. But whatever you call it, its origins lie more than 5,000 years in the past, and it's been played in many cultures. Local musician Cha Lai became interested in the instrument after seeing a Ukrainian singing contest on YouTube. Today, he's conducting workshops to promote the ancient instrument. <laughs> I think it's a bit of a 
。咁其實我去到可能台灣啊、日本咁樣喺度玩，人哋唔覺得係啲咩特別嘢咁我係喺音樂節目嗰度見到一隊 band， 咁就玩緊呢個，我係覺得好得意，咁就開始做 research 睇下，咦呢個係咩嚟嘅呢？咁樣。咁我之後就問咗身邊啲朋友，其實好多人都唔知咩嚟嘅。咁咁啱有個俄羅斯嗰邊嘅朋友，咁問佢：喂，你知唔知樂器係咩嚟㗎？傾開偈咁傾啦。佢話：呢個樂器喺我哋國家係好盛行嘅喎。咁我自己個民族咁樣做呢個係好出名嘅喎。咁樣咁就之後託佢幫我買呢個翻嚟。咁又開始去摸下點樣玩咁咯。咁其實大家日常生活咧一定有接觸過嘅。咁樣啲五至七十年代嘅卡通片咧，嗰時我哋係冇電腦做聲噶嘛。咁其實就用緊呢個口型遊戲去做聲咯，即可能啲卡通人物喺度跳緊啊咁樣，就可以做個聲出嚟咯，例如咁口型會因為佢個體積啦、個 size 啦，會影響到個聲音噶。咁樣如果你揾啲比較大件嘅出嚟，個聲會低音啲咯。咁佢出嚟啲聲都會偏向沉嘅。咁樣細件咧，相對就一定高音啲嘅。咁可能試下呢、這個呢、這個比較細件嘅。咁每個都會有自己特色啦。咁樣介紹下呢、這個呢、這個就南印度嗰邊嘅口音嚟嘅，佢哋會比較特別少少，有一支柄喺佢個尾端嗰度伸咗出嚟。咁佢哋咧呢、這個其實佢比較特別嘅地方係佢大 size 同細 size 咧出嚟個音都會比較高嘅。咁樣捉呢只呢，就日本嗰邊嘅北海道原住民佢哋嘅口音嚟嘅，呢、這個就會比較難玩啲，佢要拉繩咁樣去做個聲出嚟咯。喺亞太區口音呢個戲就會比較多嘅。咁歐美地區都會有，但係歐美地區咧，佢哋係前成吉思汗嗰陣時咧，就去帶咗呢個樂器過去咯。咁所以你見到每個地方咧，佢哋玩口言咧，都會有佢哋自己嘅一啲特色啊，同埋形狀上都有啲唔同嘅。咁樣如果你話印度，印度佢哋會唱拍子咁樣嚟玩咯。啱我講緊我朋友俄羅斯嗰邊啦，佢哋係一個叫阿富特嘅族，佢哋係攞嚟祭祀神明嗰陣時用嘅。其實佢呢個樂器咧，嗯係我哋日常生活用緊嘅，佢好似講嘢咁樣嘅啫。大家望落去，我玩緊，以為係我用呼吸嚟吹去做啲聲，其實唔係，我係類似講嘢，但係佢代代替咗個聲帶個震盪咯。咁樣可能我講大家好咁樣，佢可以出到嚟嘅。啱嗰句就 My name is Chow, I'm playing the mouth harp 咁樣咯。其實以前中國明朝嗰陣時咧，就話個政府打壓人民，咁樣人民就想反佢啦。咁樣個人民咧，嗰陣時佢又唔俾人講嘢
，即係全部人民，我唔俾你溝通嘅，直情誒講緊我哋夫妻都唔可以溝通。咁樣嗰陣時咧，佢哋就用個口言嚟當玩樂器咁樣去同大家溝通啦。咁樣同埋佢會傳達啲信息，話你嚟緊我要點樣去去同個政府對抗嘅咁樣咯。香港人，我覺得佢哋太速食啊！咁樣佢哋見到啲新奇有趣嘅嘢，就會好想玩，一玩就通街都係。咁其實大家接觸到都好事嚟嘅，但係就唔好當佢一個玩具咁樣咯。因為好似、呃、之前 Ukulele 興嗰一排咁樣，就成街都係啦，跟住之後就嘣一聲就會失蹤晒㗎啦咁樣，同埋想大家多啲了解啲樂器嘅歷史咯。